Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Hey, it's Ryan from The Prolific Creator, where we talk about life and art and see what sticks. Well, hello, my friends. Today, we have another amazing interview with Matt Briel. Matt Briel is the VP at Lulu.com. And if you've been in the indie publishing space or the publishing space for any time, you've probably heard of Lulu.com. And I loved my conversation with Matt. We had such a great time talking about promotion and marketing and how to get your story out into the world. And and I have to give you a little appetizer, a little taste of what we talked about, because I know when we talk about marketing or promoting our art, our books, our work, whatever it may be, it can get a little scary. And here's what Matt said. He said, marketing is really just about making friends. And I love that. And so if you're fearful, scared, you hate even the word marketing because your art is precious, your work is precious, you don't even want to use that word, think about it as making friends. And so we're going to talk about what that means. How do we make friends? How do we, again, get our work out in the world, our art out of the out into the world, our stories out into the world. And you're going to love my conversation with Matt Briel. And so hope you're all well. Uh, the fall is upon us. The weather's hopefully cooling down a little bit, depending on where you live in the country. I know I've been enjoying some cooler fall weather. And it's a great time to make stuff. It's a great time to create stuff. And hopefully this podcast will serve you well in whatever you're making, whatever you're doing, whatever stories you're trying uh, to tell, uh, whatever message you're trying to get out into the world. And that's why we do this podcast. And that's why we have people on the show like Matt Briel to help us think through these things and help us get better at, at our craft and, and what we're doing, what we're making, because your life matters and your art uh, matters. And, and really, that's what drives the show. And so hope you're doing all doing well. Um, just want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, go check out the website, ryanjpelton.com. And there's some free resources there, um, specifically, specifically for really the kind of writer, publisher, thinking about a business, getting it off the ground type stuff. Um, I'd love for you to check that out, all free. Uh, hopefully that helps you. Just some stuff I've learned along the way just to share with you. So hope that serves you well. And I hope you're well wherever you are. And before too long, I don't want to waste all your time. 
is I want to get to my conversation with Matt Briel. So here's my little chitty chat with Matt Briel. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for uh, joining us on the show today. Uh, I have Matt Briel on the show. And uh, Matt, I am excited to talk to you uh, because you're going to talk a lot about because of your work. I mean, you don't have to talk about it, but I'm going to make you um, a lot about marketing and promotion and getting the word out about our stories and stuff we're making. And uh, so I'm really happy to have you on the show. You're uh, right now the VP uh, at lulu.com. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. All right. Well, we were chatting offline about skating and surfing and Southern California <laughs> and Florida. And so we have a lot of connections there. Uh, days like this, I wish I was in Florida or California. You um, and me both. But uh, 20 years in the, sounds like in the publishing industry, marketing, business, entrepreneurship, all kinds of stuff. And uh, so I look forward to for chatting with you. So, uh, so Matt, why don't we just start just kind of a little bit of, you know, the superhero origin story. Uh, you know, where'd you come from? How'd you get into kind of marketing, publishing? How'd you end up here? Well, I guess it depends on how far back you want to go. Um, uh, as, as we discussed, uh, I grew up in Florida and, and um, I was always interested in art and creating things and drawing and reading and writing and, um, you know, around the time it was, it was going to be, you know, the time for me to go to college. It was, it really wasn't the thing where, oh, you could go do art. You could grow up and do art for a living, or you can do these things for a living. And so uh, I was kind of discouraged from sort of following that passion of creating things and and doing art. Um, but I did end up going to college for, for English and creative writing. And I thought, well, you know, I'll just get out of school and I'll, I'll go work for a publisher. That'll be cool. I'll get to read books for a living, uh, which spoiler alert, that is not what happened. <laughs> and that's not usually what happens for, for people in that, that situation. But uh, nonetheless, you know, uh, I finally made my way through lots of different twists and turns to, to uh, working for Lulu, uh, which included a lot of marketing and sales jobs along the way. Um, uh, so I, I got to Lulu probably about seven years ago. Um, and the minute I got to Lulu, I realized this is where I was supposed to be. These were the people I was supposed to be working with. And it really connected the dots for me on all of my past experiences, um, entrepreneurial or otherwise, and, and helping creators connect the dots themselves to taking what they are creating and turning that into something that they can not only make a living off of, if that's their goal, but they can really thrive off of and continue to turn that into a legacy for you know years and years to come. So that's kind of the condensed quick version of how I got uh, from where I was to where I am now. <laughs> no, I think, it, I think it's really great that, um, you know, kind of the paths, you know, you kind of have to like try things and experiment with things to, before you really find kind of where you're supposed to be. Uh, but what I hear you hear in your story a little bit is probably something we all, I mean, we're the prolific creator podcast is like people that are making things, creating things, writing things, artists, starting businesses, whatever, uh, is I think it's like the creative community, the promotion part, the marketing part's really difficult um, be- because you have this kind of mentality of like, I just like to create, I just like to make things. I, I, you know, a lot of times the mindset is like, I just, if somebody buys it, great, but really I just enjoy the making part. So it sounds like you, you're kind of in your work, bringing those two things together. It's like, we can make things, but we can also find ways to share that with the world. Um, and so 
So, so bring me back a little bit, like you're talking about a little bit of influences, you know, writing, obviously creative writing and publishing, entrepreneurship, all these things. Um, what was it in that, that kind of drew you, you know, in these, these areas, was it like family? Was it just people you're around? I mean, where they give you the freedom to kind of like, Hey, you should create and, and make stuff. Cause I think sometimes that's frowned upon or that's not real work or that's, you know, if you're not, you know, an engineer or doing math or science or making real money, you know, why would you mess around with art, you know, or creating things? What's yeah. the point? But yeah, tell us a little bit of some of those early influences. Yeah. So uh, my, my earliest influence was my father actually. Um, and so <laughs> I had a bit of a different uh, upbringing. My father was um, never a nine to five corporate guy. Uh, he was always doing something creative Um as I mentioned before, we started taping, uh, my father, I grew up, he was, he built surfboards for a living. And so he was always in this world of just being creative. So building surfboards, painting surfboards, doing things like that, uh, as well as being an entrepreneur. So he had his own business. He's always had his own businesses. Um, he's, he's always been that kind of person where if he had a passion, he'd make a business from it. And that's just kind of how I grew up was, that's what I saw, you know, you, you took your passion and you, you used that to, to sort of further yourself and your family. And, and, you know, I guess on the surface, it looked like the best thing in the world. And I think I just kind of grew up with that sort of instilled with me. The juxtaposition came in a little bit later where other influences in my life, other family, you know, I, whether that was because they saw my father and didn't necessarily like the path he was on or, you know, Maybe this was just the the way it was then, but I was kind of discouraged from, like I said, you know, pursuing art or something like that as a career. Like you're never going to, you know, be affluent that way. It was always this, like, you're not going to make a ton of money. You're not going to be able to do this. And and that was always what was pushed. And, and so I just kept drawing from, from my dad. And and like I said, I figured, you know what, let me go into to college with this path and um, you know, I'll see where that takes me. But uh, back to some of your earlier points, he being an influence, I learned a lot from him, not only in what he was doing and how he was supporting us as a family, but also kind of supporting himself, you know, by doing the things that he loved. Um, I also learned a lot of what you shouldn't do as a small business owner or an entrepreneur, because like many creatives, as you said, he had no formal business training. He had no formal marketing training at all. And so while my dad was really good at building surfboards and still is to this day. And he's a very talented painter and a lot of other things. Um, his business didn't always do well and, and his other businesses didn't always do well. And in many cases, there were things that, you know, in hindsight, especially the role I'm in now, I could easily look at those and say, Oh yeah, you totally should have done this or that, or even pre-internet days. Um, and so that's where my two worlds kind of collided, the creative side and the marketing and, and business and sales side. And so as I got older, I kept all of that with me. And, you know, along the way, you have friends or family members or, you know, just acquaintances that you run into who want to start businesses or who have just started a business and they need some help. And that kind of helped me sort of hone my skill sets along the way, just, you know, helping them out or doing things for them and you know, before finally making an actual career out of marketing and being able to incorporate that into, you know, even prior to working at Lulu, you know, the, the creative industries and working with artists and other people and having the ability to understand the creative side of how people think and what their processes are, which is very different from how oftentimes people at the other end of that spectrum operate. You know, people who are very business minded or marketing minded um, oftentimes don't process or relate or work the way that creatives and artists do. So I feel lucky that 
I, I think for the most part, I can straddle the middle there. <laughs> and, and like I said, connect those dots on a fairly easy process. But that all started with, with my dad as my main influence. Yeah. Well, that's really good. I, I think you, you kind of nailed some things that, um, and I don't want to make like big general statements about people and, and, you know, how they're wired. And, but just from my limited experience, I, I find, uh, creative people tend to not have the business, you know, hat, uh, as much as maybe other people are, it's like one or the other. I mean, rarely do you find the person that's just like, you know, ultimately creative, but also just like a great marketer and a great, um, and obviously there's always exceptions. Um, do you find that to be true? I mean, I, I just, cause I think like a lot of times when people come to me and they're like, Hey, how do I get my books out there? How do I promote it? How do I, it's like, I hate, they're like, I, these words, like, I hate it. I don't want to talk about it. I hate social media. I hate everything you know that has to do with marketing. Yeah. I just want to make stuff and people find it great. Um, is that, I mean, do you find it in the, you know, you sound like you're a rare person that kind of can meld the two, but um, is that something you can learn? Is that something um, that can be taught or is it just more, you just got to outsource it. You just got to let someone else run with it. Uh, talk, talk us through that a little bit. Just someone that's kind of sitting there going like, I don't know if I'm this at all. What do I do? It, it's definitely true to a degree. I think that if you're, if you're heavily creative, uh, oftentimes you are not heavily um predisposed to want to do the business side of things or, or even the marketing side, which can be fun. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a big part of it, right? Creative people are fun people. They, you know, they, they create things that make us smile and make us feel good. And we need more of them in the world, but we also need those people who um, their, their whole world revolves around numbers and formulas and spreadsheets and algorithms. Right. So, but I do find that to be true. Most of the time, the, the, the answer to the second part of the question is, for me, myself, and for a lot of the people that we work with and that we come into contact with all the time, uh, creators, authors, uh, however you want to self-identify, a lot of that can be learned. It just comes down to motivation and, you know, why you're doing this to begin with and what your ultimate goal is. Um, if you have a long-term growth mindset, you know, if you want to turn this into something that sustains you for as long as possible, most of these things can be learned. And through a few simple marketing, you know, uh, practices or, or sales practices, you you can adapt to and, and figure out what works best for you and what you're trying to accomplish. It's it's actually not that hard, even for most people. I think on the creative side, um, but you know, there's also that 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 group that just says, "Well, I'm sure I could do this, but I don't want to." And you know, who can do this for me? And that's fine too. I mean, everybody should know their limitations, and if you want to just uh, spend your time creating and let somebody else deal with that business side. There's always people out there that you can find um, that that can do that for you. I think what's really cool right now, though, and you're probably seeing this a lot, is um, there's definitely a shift going on right now. Um, and, and I hate to use a word that's you know really trendy right now, but in the creator economy, there's a shift happening where creators are really thriving and they're they're being serious about turning what they do into a business and so they are they're setting up their own teams almost in in a way so it's more common these days to meet somebody um who maybe started out their career as a, a blogger let's say um you know and then expanded into some other mediums but now they've got somebody that that they contract to do their books they've got somebody that they contract to do their website work you know, they've got somebody that they contract to do some of the other things that they don't want to be straddled with. Even if they could learn it and do it well, they'd rather spend their time creating. And now they're in a place where through diversifying their streams of revenue, they can afford to hire, you know, a small team of people to help them. And I think for a lot of them, 
that's the ultimate goal is to be able to not only support themselves, but maybe support a team, a small team to help them grow uh, their brand and, and their business and whatever it is they're trying to do. So I think it can be learned. Sure. But I think you're right. I think for the most part, you know, we're kind of one or the other at times. Sure. Well, and I think what you're describing, Matt, is the dirty little secret is that with, you know, self-publishing or independent publishing or making art, whatever it is, um, you know, solo entrepreneurship, whatever words you want to use, uh, is there usually is a team behind it. It's just, you only see that person, right? So, you know, when I'm writing books, there's editors involved, there's cover designers, there's, you know, they may not make be front and center, but yeah, it, I think people, when they think self-published, especially like, you know, Lulu's work and, and what you're doing, um, you know, one of my first books was I was trying to figure out how to get a stinking, just a print copy of some dumb book I made and went to Lulu and it was like, okay, but there's people involved in that. It's not just me and my computer, you know, um, and learning how to do these things. And so, so I think, um, helping, you know, especially indie artists, uh, just to understand, like it does require a team and whether you're really involved in the marketing side or not, like it's, it's best to have a team and they may be friends. They may not be, but you always have to start kind of somewhere, even people just looking at your work and just giving you feedback or, that's giving right. you ideas or whatever, like, it, and it's better. Like, I think our work becomes better when we do have a team. Cause it's never just this, you know, silo of work. It's always, you know, Hey, what do you think about this? Or, Hey, I've made this thing. What, give me, give me some feedback, you know? Um, um, and that sounds like that's a little bit of your work too, is like, how do, how do I connect, you know, what we're doing, how we can help you, but also to other creators and other people, or, Hey, there's been people that have gone before you. You don't have to make up, you know, this on your own. <laughs> Like we have, yeah, we have, we have experience in this. Uh, so yeah, take cover. And I, I love, I mean, I love like the self-publishing indie community because they're so generous. I mean, just willing to do anything for you. The companies that are associated with it are so generous. Like, I mean, I could send a cold email to someone and they'll give me, you know, here, do these 10 things. And it's like, and they're not going to be like, and that's a thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, so I love that about, you know, I think that's, that's a big shift that I think is happening, you know, with social media, internet, uh, just generosity, people just being like, Hey, I've learned these things. Let me share them with you. Um, is really, I think good. Um, so, um, now we're talking a lot about marketing promotion, you know, you made this thing and you're like, okay, other than just putting it on a website, throwing it up on Amazon, you know, telling someone, you know, a coworker about it. Um, how would you help someone even think about marketing maybe in, in your own way, like, like in a new and fresh way that doesn't sound like a scary word, like promotion, marketing, it always sounds sleazy. Like I just feel like a weird salesman, you know, I think that's where kind of people go. At least that's how I've kind of, as I interact with people, it's like, oh, I got to be the one who's always like, buy my thing, buy my thing, buy my thing. Um, What are some ways or tactics or help people think through, like, is there a different way to look at marketing or promotion and not such a negative connotation? Like, how would you kind of, kind of coach people through that? Yeah. I mean, that's a cool question. There's probably a lot of ways you could look at it. I think or even sort of rename it if you wanted to. Uh, and again, this goes back to whatever your your goal is with your work. But, you know, ultimately, it's you're just making friends, really. <laughs> I mean, if you want to strip everything else away, you're just making friends. And, and these days, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about marketing and the state of marketing and what's going to happen in the future. And, you know, I think people are tired of being marketed to, to be honest with you. We're all tired of it. We're tired of the emails we didn't want, the text messages we didn't want. You know, we're tired of every time we go on our favorite social media platform, we're getting hit with things we didn't ask for. Um, 
you know, and even the brands or the creators or the people that we we do like or kind of like or or love, it, in many cases, if if they're approaching growth wrong, we kind of get turned off to that. So I think if you just you kind of just look at it as as making friends. How am I going to make more friends that would be interested in my work? Like you know, and, and relate it to yourself, right? So. If you're creating content, chances are you're passionate about whatever it is you created, whatever that subject is or, or whatever that might be. I mean, you can pick any topic, but um, start there with yourself. Like, you know, how would you discover something like that? How do you find new books or how do you find new movies you want to watch? Or in many cases, it's word of mouth or, or, you know, a friend of yours or a family member or even a group you might be in online or whatever that might be. But if you look at marketing as as just a way to make friends and build a community around your your work, I think it's not as um, daunting of a task. And then you can start breaking it down by, well, okay, how, how, how am I going to make friends in this circle? You know, how am I going to talk to people about me or my content or uh, what it might be able to bring to them in, in the way of value? Um, and then you can just start going systematically through some of the things that I think um, are actually really easy marketing concepts. But again, they they sort of feel intimidating to a lot of people when you look at it strictly as this marketing thing I have to do or this sales engine I have to build. Um, and again, I'm assuming that the goal here for for this particular example is is to make money and sell books or content. Uh, but there are so many other things you can use a book for that you know the money will come as long as you put in the work, but you can use a book for so many other things to enrich your life and, and, and be prosperous based on your definition of prosper. So many people that we, we talk to, or we listen to, or we see uh, these days that we would consider, you know, successful entrepreneurs or creators or whoever, in many cases, if you trace their career far enough back, um, it started with a book, you know, um, and creating opportunities with that book. And in many cases, they didn't even sell it in the beginning. They gave it away as a, as a, mm -hmm. a, a lead generation tool, right? Like maybe you have an online course that you started around, you know, calligraphy and, and, and you're, you're a great calligraphy artist and you have this course and you want people to take the course and take more courses from you. Well, do a little book about calligraphy. You know, and give that away as a lead magnet where the back of the book is the course that you can come and take or things like that. So I think just getting creative and looking at it as a way to make friends. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, I really like that phrase. I'm actually going to steal that. Um, I, I think uh, I, I like what you're saying, because I, I think it's a lot of what I've uh, kind of just stole from other people. But, you know, the idea of like a thousand true fans, you know, kind of the Ke right. Kevin Kelly idea mm -hmm. um, and. It, really, I think what I think what he's saying is really about it's about making friends. It's just like, can you find a thousand friends? I mean, I, you know, the numbers arbitrary, but it's basically right. like if you want to be a cre creator that has a sustainable living, you know, if you have a thousand devoted raving fans, that's all you need. And uh, anything above that beyond that's great. But but the reality is it doesn't take a lot. Um, that's you know, true. And and that that whole Kevin Kelly thing. And, and we've done blog, blog articles on that. Um, and that's a big, obviously, topic of conversation within the creator economy. Some people wholeheartedly agree, some disagree, mm -hmm. some sure. are somewhere in the middle, but the math works out. It's it's the execution of it where people fail, right? You can do the math on that all day long and it makes sense. And, and mm -hmm. you, the number's arbitrary. You're right. You can plug in any number you want. But it's the execution of that where people, I think, fail the hardest and then they get disenfranchised and they just kind of walk away from it. But the, the reality of it is what you're describing and what Kevin Kelly's describing is the difference between having 10,000 followers on your whatever, you know, Twitter, Instagram, whatever your channel of choice is, 
uh, versus, you know, a thousand actual fans. You know, you can have all the followers you want. But if you leave that platform, for example, let's say you get banned from that platform. Followers, they're actually not going to follow you. It's misleading. Your fans will. Whatever platform you go to next, your fans will follow you there. If you say, hey, you know, I'm not using Twitter anymore because, you know, whatever. I don't like what Elon Musk is doing. You <laughs> pick mm-hmm. anything, whatever's happening today. I'm going to go to Instagram. Those those true fans, they'll follow you. They'll find you on Instagram and they'll follow sure. you on Instagram and, and they'll follow you anywhere else you go. But your actual followers won't. It's such a misnomer. Right. Uh, um, but nonetheless, I mean, that's I think that's the core of it. And, and yep. I think people fail to make that connection with you know whatever those core fans or whoever they might be and that's a lot of what we're talking about these days um my team and i when we go out to events or when we're talking to people marketing is all about being human making friends and turning followers into fans mm-hmm. followers are good for nothing but vanity metrics that's it sure. yep. you, you got to turn them into fans you got to provide value no that's really good uh because i think there's so much there's a lot of like i uh, engaging with some traditional publishing uh, folks. And, and the first thing I ask is, you know, how many social media you know followers do you have? And, and the reality is, you know, I'm doing this a long time is that it, it what you just said is so true. It does not matter. Like you could have 6,000 people that follow you, but you know, two might care, you know, and, and a lot of them are just like checking out what you're doing. They don't really care what you have to say. That's and, right. and you re- and it's hard to sell books on, in, you know, social media directly, like in that, in that way. Um, and, and so it's like, even in, in, you know, the industry that's supposed to know what they're doing, it, again, it just does not matter. That's, they're just vanity. I mean, I know people that have hundreds of thousands of followers and they can't sell anything, you know? So it's, um, because I also know people that have 68 followers and they have 20 devoted fans and because they have a high ticket item, they make a great living. So it's just about conversion and how people actually respond. They, the thing you have, they want. You know, um, I know people with Etsy shops that have, you know, very, very small views, but guess what? Their conversion rate is off the charts. So it's like, Hey, I got 68 views on this product, but I'm selling a ton of them, <laughs> you know? So, so it doesn't matter, right? If it's 60,000 yeah. or six, you know, um, no, then that's really good because I think, um, I think it frustrates a lot of creators because they do look at their social media following. They look at, you know, their web page and go like, there's no views da da da, and they go, well, I'm a failure or whatever, but it, but it's just learning how to like say, okay, that's a good starting point, but it doesn't tell the whole picture. It doesn't, you know, and I love how you said human, because I think marketing really is about being, how can we just be honest about who we are, what we're making, what we're doing, our story, our, our, our values, and just be honest about it. You don't have to, you know, be a snake oil salesman, you know, just be, be your authentic self and, and, you know, shoot videos that like your hair's messed up. Like, I think it's just like, we're too worried about how we appear and actually people respond better when you're just like, Hey, I had a really bad day. Like, instead of just putting your best Instagram selfie on, you know, on social media all the time, actually, like you said, we don't like being marketed to like, we're getting tired of that. It's like, okay, great. You're playing with your money in your Lamborghini on your bed. And, you know, because you rented it from someone, you know, and it's like, we get (laughs) kind of duped into like, you know, these, these folks that, you know, want to show that how successful they are. But I think a lot of successful people just don't take the time to actually tell you they're successful. They just kind of, they want to, Hey, this is how I add value. This is who I am. This is what I have to share. Like, I'm not trying to push you on anything. Um, so, um, so this, this is a great conversation. Um, it, cause I think, um, what I hear you trying to, trying to do at least in your work is say, let's take some of the scariness out of it. Um, let's, use better metrics. Um, let's try to be human. Uh, let's try to find friends. I mean, even just that phrase, like, I think will help so many people. 
Like, yeah, how do I go find a handful of friends that like what I do? Um, and you probably already have them. Like, that's the reality. It's like, that's right. I mean, there's already people going like, Hey, I love your book. Hey, I love your art. I love your, you know, whatever. Um, so, um, how do you, you know, go find those people and then tell them to buy more stuff. Um, so, um, so tell me, let's get into, um, your work with Lulu, uh, which is a great, great company. And, um, and you guys have been around for a long time. Um, I, I remember in, years. Yeah. As I was saying the kind of wild West, you know, early indie publishing, like Lulu was right there. And, um, you know, I mean, great help to me. I know early on too, um, and continues to be so, and for so many people too. So, um, so you, you, you joined Lulu about seven years ago. Um, I think I heard you say that, um, what was kind of the, the job description? Like, what was like, okay, this is what Matt's coming to do. Um, how, how are you helping creators? How are you, um, you know, helping people get their work out in the world? Talk, talk us through that kind of what you do and, and what you offer. Yeah. Um, I was originally hired on as a, um, a quote unquote growth hacker, okay. um, back when that term was popular, but, you know, again, six, seven years ago, almost, mm-hmm. um, that was the, the buzz position to be in was a growth hacker, uh, shout out to Sean Ellis there. Um, so I, I was brought on as a growth hacker, but very quickly, um, because I, I enjoyed data and, um, I started to see some some trends, I think, in the data that I don't think people were paying attention to. Um, and so my position morphed very quickly through a couple different titles and roles. But um, ultimately, the work I was doing really didn't change much. It really became about, you know, we have this brand, we have this service, this product, however you want to phrase this. Um, and yeah, it's it's sustained, you know, 50, at that time, 15 years in the market, whatever, but it's it's just not growing. And in fact, we're declining in, in just about every metric that you would measure, you know, a business on, especially in the marketing world. Um, and so it was really taking a good hard look at, all right, who is using the platform? Why are they using it? What are their desired results and what's the actual results? And then, you know, where do we add value in that chain? You know, what, what is it we're not doing that we should be doing? A big part of that was we, we weren't listening to our customers. And in fact, not only were we not listening to them, we weren't asking them anything. <laughs> we were just we were just assuming that they were there for the stereotypical age old self publishing print on demand platform to publish their poetry or their fiction or whatever that might be, um, and the data told us a completely different story. And when you started digging into it and really understanding who was not only using the platform the most, but who were the ones driving the most revenue for Lulu, it was actually the opposite end of that spectrum of user. Um, and so then it was a matter of, you know, strategizing, how do we go out and talk to them? How do we make friends with them? How do we figure out what it is they find valuable? What can we add more value, you know, in our lineup or a portfolio uh, to attract more of these kinds of users? Um, and so, again, my job very quickly became about connecting those dots. How do I take these existing users, help them be more successful with their books and their content, and then find more of them? How do, how do I get them to go out and find more of themselves for me? through word of mouth or telling their friends or, you know, you, you posed the rhetorical question earlier, you know, how do I sell my content, um, make friends and sell my content? It starts with the one spot most people, believe it or not, are not willing to go to, and that's friends and family. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's so many people that create something or write a book or start a book, and they're scared to go ask their friends and family to support them for some reason. Uh, and in many cases, I get it, you know, you, you, the, the people you're closest to, you don't want to feel like, Oh, what if it's crap and they don't like it or, you sure. know, but that's where you start. And and mm-hmm. with us, it's the same thing. It's, it's, how do we, how do we connect those dots? How do we take them from where they are now 
to where they want to be, which is selling more books, writing more books, uh, being more successful with their speaking career or their online courses or building their email list or, or whatever those goals happen to be. And so over the years, we've just been talking more and more and more to our clients, our customers, mm-hmm. our users. And doing a lot of listening and just trying to be human. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we built out so many things over the last, you know, five to six years based solely on all that feedback. And, you know, all of that is getting uh, closer and closer to this this sort of inception point of where e-commerce tech has met with self-publishing and print on demand. And I mean, these days it is so easy to to create a book or a project of that type, you know, run it through a print on demand platform like ours connect to your Shopify store with a, a plugin, which we have, by the way. And, you know, literally within a matter of a day, you can be selling, you know, a book that you created, even if it's a no content book, by the way, if you're a, a you know, a fledgling artist, entrepreneur, somebody, you're just trying to kick around some ideas and maybe, you know, add some passive streams of revenue to what you're doing. You can go and download a, a template from our site um, uh, for like a notebook or a planner or a journal we'll give you the, the content. You can go and create the cover, do a really cool cover and then put that up for sale in your Shopify store. And you've already got money coming in, you know, it's um, so, you know, it, it very quickly morphed from being a growth hacker for the the business, the company as overall to really figuring out, wait a second, we, we're not talking to the right people. We need to be talking to the right people and we need to be listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's, what's going to carry us into the next generation of creators. And so far, so good. Yeah. Well, if if you're not if you're able to, could you could you talk a little bit about just kind of what you were discovering? Because I th- I have a I have a suspicion it's probably similar to what those who are making need to th- be thinking about as they talk about talk to their audience and figure out well what what is it that why do you want this or what's good about it so they can kind of build on it. So mm-hmm. like what what were some of the like just kind of eye opening like oh wow geez I had no idea we we're you know this but <laughs> you know anything yeah. just general that comes to mind when you think of that. Yeah. I mean, the biggest ones, I mean, almost immediately out of the gate was a, we completely had our core audiences identified in um, uh, wrong, just flat out wrong. So, you know, for, for years, Lulu was focusing on fiction authors, uh, poets, uh, you know, people writing poetry and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, a little bit on, on visual artists, right. Photographers and things, as it turns out, you know, when you really dig into the, or dug into the data, Yes, we were getting a lot of projects coming through of that nature, but in terms of projects that were selling revenue-wise, um, it was at the opposite in the spectrum. So the projects that were selling were all nonfiction projects, utilitarian-based content. These were textbooks people were creating. Mm. These are manuals on how to code Python. You know, these were things that were very uh, uh, utilitarian in nature. They had a, a specific purpose. They were adding value to somebody's life somewhere just above and beyond entertainment value. Um, not that there's anything wrong, obviously, with fiction or poetry, but understanding your your audience and your your base, I think, is is that's number one, right? And so once we realized that, it was then a matter of okay, what do they find valuable? But what would help them take their their business, their content to the next level? And so we start reaching out and talking to them. And like anybody else, it's you know I'd love more ways to sell my content, to sell my books, to get it into the hands of more people. Uh, you know, some people were doing it for for reasons other than money. You know, they just wanted to spread knowledge or educate or things like that. Um, but, you know, at the core of it, people just wanted to sell more of their books. And what we were finding was not only were, I think, the 
from a revenue standpoint, roughly, I'd say 75% at that time were nonfiction uh, authors, creators. But on top of that, of our actual revenue, a good 60 to 65% of that was coming from self-purchases. So the creator was also the one purchasing their own book, you know, in bulk. They'd, they'd buy 100, 200, 300 copies. And so once we started connecting those dots, okay, we go back to them and say, well, you know, what are you doing with these copies? You know, oh, I'm taking them to an event and selling them there, or I'm handing them out at this conference, or, you know, I got them in my garage and, and then I sell them on my website and I fulfill them, you know, I ship them out as the orders come in. And so, okay, what can we build that would, you know, take away that, that pain point or l- eliminate that friction. And that's when we start adding in tools and things that help them um, do just that. So they don't have to do it on their own, you know, uh, fulfillment tools. And we start expanding our print network globally so that, you know, if you have a fan in France that orders your book, well, we'll print it and ship it from our printer in, in France, you know what I mean? And it saves on on time and shipping costs and all those things. So really, again, just understanding our audience, our consumer base, what they wanted um, and how anything we could do that would add value into that chain. Um, just really sitting back and seeing, you know, the, the effects of that and, and how quickly you can scale anything when you truly understand the value, right? The value prop that's that's being injected into that stream. Well, I love this because I, I I hear you saying, I mean, you said this earlier too in the interview about, um, you know, a book is not just a book. I mean, it's a, it's a starting point or it can be a starting point to so many other things. You know, uh, I think some of the wiser marketing folk and promote, it's like they see the book. Yes, it's important. But like, if you're trying to make a living just off a book, it's really difficult, but, (laughs) but to have it like, you know, these guys or gals who are buying all these books, going to a conference, speaking, like they're selling those out, but they're also saying, Hey, I'm a coach. Hey, I'm a, you know, whatever. Um, it gives you authority. It gives you, you know, Hey, buy my course. Hey, buy, you know, there's other, other ways, you know, I can consult for you. I can, you know, help you help your organization. I can, you know, do some contract work with my art, you know, whatever it is like, that's right. And that's what I don't think it is like a business card. Like, I mean, a lot, I mean, to really be realistic, unless you're just a unique Stephen King, you know, fiction writer. And there are people that are doing it well. And, and yeah, we're not taking that away from them. Um, but that's, but I can guarantee you, Stephen King has also gotten made so much money off of running a radio station and other side things that have nothing. I mean, he speaks all the time. He talks movie about movie deals. Yeah. Movie <laughs> deals. Right. He's writing, he's doing conferences, he's doing all kinds of stuff. Um, it's not just the books. I mean, he, he's fine with his books, but <laughs> you know, um, no, I like that. And I think that, that maybe helps people th- kind of think through, it's not just about this precious book that I have and just trying to get out in the world, but it's also the, the, the spawn, the, that's right. The little, the little streams, you know, that come off of it. Yeah. We like to joke. We like to joke that books are the gateway drug into all other, all other forms of creative media and content. (laughs) You know, you can use that book, like you said, to secure so many opportunities. And, you know, these days, you know, that phrase book is a business card. I know it's overused, but it's still 100% true. I mean, if you hand somebody a book as a lead generation tool, or just to say, Hey, you know, I noticed you're, you're interested in this. You know, I talk a lot about this. Here's, here's a book I, I, I put out not too long ago. I'd love for you to have this. I mean, what kind of ass walks away and throws that in the garbage can? Mm-hmm. Nobody. No. Now the flip side of that coin is if you hand them yet another business card, it, this person's probably already got 20 in their pocket. Mm-hmm. The minute they turn the corner, that business card is going in the garbage oh, yeah. can, yep. you know? And so it starts from there, but you're absolutely right. I mean, nothing says credible 
uh, reliable, valid, expert, like a book, you know, and it doesn't matter if it was self-published or traditionally, but these days that doesn't matter. Mm. If you can get through the process of self-publishing a book on a particular topic, subject, or passion, people are going to read it. They're going to look at it. They're going to buy it. They're going to take it if you hand it to them for free or, or however you choose to offer it. Or, so, you know, the, the, they are this gateway the, the maybe if you want to use a hub and spoke model to, to be a little more appropriate, um, having a book at the center of the hub of your sort of brand or, or building your own community around your content is, is just a great way to open up all those other avenues. It, it absolutely is. And it's, yeah. it's one of the easiest ways too. it's, it's sure. Once you start to learn the process and understand, it's actually not that hard. It really isn't these days. Not like it sure. was years and years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just talked to a guy, interviewed a guy recently, and he wrote a book just because he wanted, he has a coach, really successful coaching business. I mean, he's like coaching Alex Rodriguez. I mean, some like pretty big name, you know, high ticket clients, but just to put his philosophy and the way he coaches into kind of an evergreen form, but also just to say, Hey, this, if you're interested in what I do and how I do it, like, here's a book, like, yeah, you can hire me and it's going to cost you a lot of money, but like, I'm giving you everything I have right here, you know, and individuals can now use it too. So it's like, you don't have to hire me to be, and it was just a really like actually generous act of, of just saying like, I, it's like, I can't even work with you. I don't have room, but here's my book. Here's what we, we work with clients. Here's it's kind of a starting point. Um, and, and that's really smart. I think because I don't know what it is about a book, but more than anything, it's, oh, you're an authority. Oh, you took the time and effort and discipline to actually put it together. Just that alone is not, that must mean something, right? Yeah. Um, oh, here's this evergreen thing. I made me think of my own kids. Like I have these books that like, Hey, when I'm long gone, their, their kids can read it, you know, and maybe it'll yeah. bring, bring some joy to them for a little, for a few minutes. And it's just like, it's a little part of who you are. I think there's something to that too. Um, now I wanted to kind of loop back around cause you were talking about, you know, exploring some of the data of your own company and just like learning the audience. Um, you talk a lot about that too, just as an author or a publisher or, um, creator or whatever, um, is how do you get to know or figure out kind of what does your audience want or what do they, I mean, is it just a matter of, Hey, what do you want? Or how can, you know, writers, publishers get better at kind of, kind of gauging, you know, part of making a living is actually making stuff people want. Like that's, I mean, that's just as simple as it gets, but, um, but how, how can they get better at asking those questions or kind of figuring out like without, I guess the question, uh, this is kind of a, and I'm just getting to really asking you a really bad question um, with, without getting into uh, kind of selling out your own soul of like what I really, I don't want to just write to the market. Does that make sense? Um, uh, of course. Yeah, like, is absolutely. there, is there a kind of a, a balancing act in that? Like I still have to be true to myself. I'm not just going to write, you know, vampire books and I hate vampires, but I know they sell, you know, That's right. yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of, how do they figure out like, what is it they, they like, or how do I kind of um, tap into that a little bit? Yeah. Well, so first it's, it's a balancing act, right? So your last point I think is where I'll start, which is you don't want to do so much of it that you 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 fundamentally alter the way that you create content. You don't want to create content just because that's what they're asking for, right? Mm -hmm. And you can you can you can relate that back to even right now. So in the world of marketing, you know, for years and years and years, uh, so many people are creating content that they think Google will rank well. Mm -hmm. They're writing their content to suit what they think Google wants. And, and along the way, they've forgotten that they had a product or service they were trying to introduce to people. And so they weren't writing anymore for what those people would want. They were writing for what they think Google wanted. And they actually started getting 
you know, their rankings started happening, or, or I'm sorry, they, they started ranking worse. Um, mm-hmm. And when you get back to, again, writing content that you think people will want, your audience, your customers, that's helpful, that adds value, then they started ranking better again. And so that point you made about making sure that you don't do so much of this, that you just start completely and 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 um, you don't alter the way that you're creating content and who you're creating for. So, you know, again, it starts with what are you creating? It, it, that's your passion. What, if it's science fiction romance, then keep doing that. But your question is, how do I find out, you know, what my audience would want to see and read and, and hear more of within that genre? Because that's the genre I'm comfortable in. So you don't want to stray outside of your comfort zone necessarily. If that's your passion, you want to stay there to, to find out what they would enjoy more of. It's a mixture of watching whatever data you can get your hands on and combining that with actual, again, real world, just getting out there and saying, hey, what did you think about this this central character in my last book, right? Online book clubs are extremely popular these days with serial fiction authors. So these authors that are writing these, you know, these uh, these novellas and these, these you know, they'll come out with a, a new book every month, which is a lot of them are killing it, by the way. Um, that's exactly what they're doing. They're, they're identifying core groups of fans, the ones that are buying their books every single time. And then they're getting together with them once a month and they're talking about, Hey, what, what did you like about this one this month or this series that I'm, that I'm working on that you're reading, you know, are there any other characters in the series that you'd love to see me flesh out their backstories more or what did you dislike? And so when you balance that with the sales data uh, and some of the other data that hopefully you're gathering with whatever platform it is you're selling your content on, I think that's when you get the clearest picture of who your audience is, where they're finding value in what you're doing, and quite frankly, where they're not. You know, if you're smart enough, I shouldn't say smart enough, if you're advanced enough along in your journey where you're also combining all of that with things like an email newsletter and you're growing that list, then that's just a whole nother opportunity to poll for what people enjoy, what they'd like to see more of, uh, and quite frankly, what they're tired of seeing from mm-hmm. you. Right. Um, so, you know, again, don't don't do it to the point where you're going to change or fundamentally mm-hmm. alter what it is you're actually creating at its core. But, you know, so many authors these days, especially the serial fiction writers, they are they're they're becoming so much more successful because they are incorporating little bits and pieces of feedback or data that they're watching on their platform Mm -hmm. into the content they're creating. And I mean, I just had a conversation with, with a guy yesterday. Um, It's amazing what he's doing. He's one of those you talked about. He's, he's a business guy and wrote a book on the business of books. And as a result, you know, it's getting more and more clientele and, and teaching them, you know, the practices and the ways to increase their community, to increase their fans, not just followers, but fans. And and again, we're talking about authors who are writing one book a month, like serial fiction, novellas, short stories, basically. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're just cranking it out. And these are six-figure authors, all mm-hmm. self-published, all doing it themselves. Some of them have small teams or, or again, a business coach, but mm-hmm. um, it's it's a mixture of data and real-world feedback, you know? Yeah, because I think there's there's a um, there's a little thread of people always worried, you know, well, I'm just have to write romance and I don't like romance, but that's what everyone buys. So I'm just going to keep, you know, I'm going to hate my life every week. Um, And a lot of people have have gotten away from that because they bought into that. Right. It's this is what Google wants. This is what Amazon wants. This is what people, you know, we know we know. I mean, there's data. It's like romance readers read like three to four books a week. Like it's something insane. Um, And so they go, well, let's tap into that. Right. 
Um, but I think like you're saying, some of these serial, I mean, I've interviewed a bunch of them, you know, serial, uh, fiction writers is they're still writing in genres they love. Um, but they're also saying, I know these, some call them whale readers, um, Mm -hmm. which basically just consume, you know, multiple books a week, literally. Um, they're fine with a 150 page book, science fiction book, and it doesn't have to be Stephen King. Like they just, they just love to read and they love the characters. And I mean, it doesn't mean you're writing trash, but like, but they, but it's a different, it's a different kind of audience and that's okay. Like they're, they're not looking for high art. They're not looking for, you know, uh, the classics. Right. And that's okay. Like, but it's like knowing that audience and knowing that's what they enjoy. Well, Hey, I'm going to keep writing, you know, my science fiction, utopia, military, whatever. Um, and people, there, there's going to be an audience for it. And I think that's really smart. Um, I remember years ago and, and maybe this is a little different, but, um, I, you know, quite a few fiction books out there. And I just asked, Hey, I'm thinking about continuing this series. Should I start this series or continue on in this one or go this way? And just having that feedback, cause I was kind of stuck, like, what do I really want to do next? Mm-hmm. And it was just having some feedback from people that have enjoyed your books going like, well, we really, man, we'd love to really see some more Dexter O'Kane, you know, his shenanigans, you know, whatever it is. So it's like, it kind of gives you like, I love writing this, but I want to also say, Hey, well, people seem to like it. I'll, you know, give a month, two, three to, to this, you know, um, cause you know, a lot of times I'm, I'm just chasing the shiny penny too. And, and you know what I'm excited about that maybe no one really cares about. Um, no, that's really, really good. Um, now I know we have to talk about this because, uh, it, I always get varying opinions on it, especially when it comes to writing and publishing is when it comes to social media. Um, and I know social media is always evolving, so don't feel any pressure to like, you know, um, say, you know, thus saith the Lord by any means. Um, but, uh, when you think of like best practices, uh, at least right now, um, I know TikTok's getting big. I actually seen some authors and some cool stuff with TikTok, um, just very authentically, very, you know, like yeah. talking about stuff that sometimes doesn't have to do with the, the books, just kind of what they're into and stuff. Um, but yeah, what are best practices? Cause I, I know one thing that's for sure is like, it's not about just buy my book, buy my book, buy my book, you know, just blasting it. No one cares. And they stop listening. Um, but how have you seen authors, uh, of late use social media? Well, um, when it comes to promotion, marketing, making friends, as you say, you know, yeah. share, share a little bit of that, some best practices. So, you know, best practices and how authors are using it well, or, or, not quite the same thing, but, you know, best practices, I think you could, you could go back to your marketing 101 textbook and say, okay, there's definitely some best practices you should follow when it comes to social media. I think the most important one, and I think this is one that a lot of people get wrong in the beginning is you just need to find which channels work best for you as the creator or author or however you self-identify, entrepreneur, it doesn't matter which channels work best for you. Do not try to do all of them. I don't Mm -hmm. care. My opinion is that it doesn't matter what anybody says. Trying to do all channels, you're going to fail at all channels. (laughs) Just pick a few, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even one, if that's possible, and focus all of your efforts there. Um, And and I think that's just a standard best practice. Uh, Something that authors are doing really well or I should say creators in general, to be honest with you, um, you know, and there's a fine line too, or maybe a not so fine line between a creator and an influencer. But nonetheless, I think what, what I'm seeing that I really enjoy and I think people are doing well, and it is translating into, you know, more sales, more fans, uh, larger communities being built is they, again, they're just being human 
on their channels. Every post is not uh, about the next chapter in their book or the next book or a shot of a, a cover variant, or it's not solely about me, 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 or my book, my book, my book. It's, you know, this is, oh, hey, I, I was at this this bookstore today and, and I saw this and it made me think of, you know, some of my fans that have, have reached out to me or, you know, I don't know, just got a new car today. You know, mm -hmm. how do you guys feel about this, this new 2022 forerunner or sure. um, the, the ones that I follow, I don't follow them because they're constantly talking to me about, you know, their art necessarily. I like to see the other stuff, like, you know, what music they're into, what's their process, you know, um, what do they do besides art? Uh, I, I think the more people, fans, followers can relate to an author, creator, entrepreneur. Um, I think the more they they are willing to continue following and and purchasing and becoming a part of that community. Um, and then the other thing I see people doing really well besides just being human, you know, and not trying to put on this perfect shiny influencer sort of um, a show uh, is is that they're involving their fans, their core fans, right? The true fans, like you said earlier, um, followers are going to follow. They're rarely ever going to hit the heart or like button, you know, but they'll stay in that follower account for you. But fans, they're the ones that'll hit the like button or they'll leave a comment. Or if you, you know, throw up a poll, they'll participate in your poll or whatever that might be. And engaging with your fans, your core fans, um, in, in a real sort of way, I think is where people are getting it right. You know, some of these authors, again, especially the serial fiction ones, for example, involving their fans in, in ways that uh, add true value, not only to the content being created, but to the fans' life. You know, I don't know if you've ever been a super fan of somebody or a sport or a team or a, a product or, or whatever, or a band. You know, a band's an easy one, right? Um, if you've ever been a super fan of a band, you can relate to this. Like, imagine when you were a kid, whoever your favorite band or group was. Mine was Metallica. And if, if social media existed back then when I was a kid... And I left a comment and Metallica commented back or liked oh, that yeah, comment. Babe. I would have been through the roof. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and probably for forever after that, sure. <laughs> anytime they, they dropped a new, you know, tape cassette tape. Cause that was, that's how old I am mm -hmm. yeah. or something like that. You know, I would have bought it and, and probably did anyways, but you know, so it's, it's uh, engaging fans in a real and meaningful way. You know, uh, some of these serial fiction uh, authors are, are having fans actually weigh in on, you know, where the next story arc goes. Or again, I alluded to that you did, they have these book clubs or these conversations on like Twitter spaces or, you know, anytime you can make a fan feel a part of your journey as a creator. I mean, nothing, nothing draws them in and keeps them there more than something like that, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I understand there's probably a bit of a razor's edge there too, between your, your comfort levels with privacy versus how much you actually sure. share and allow your fans into your yeah. world. But, but that's also part of your journey is figuring that out. Where are you comfortable? Where's that line? Um, and people will respect that, you know, mm -hmm. for the most part. Oh. So. Well, that's really cool because I, 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 uh, I ran into an artist yesterday uh, who does, you know, painting and, and uh, she was in her studio and she's actually doing this open installation where she's going to promote some of her work um, and she wants to do that, but she's actually giving like a tour of her studio. And this is in re actually real time. I think she probably, you know, she'll probably put it on social media or something too, but, um, but it's like to see the like materials that she uses and her process. Cause it's really interesting. She uses like, can't like um, paper in her art. And so it's like where she gets the paper, how she gets it to look the way it does. And it's really cool stuff. 
But I just love that. Like, it's just funny you're saying this because I just was talking to her yesterday and she's, you know, was like, hey, invite your friends. Like, I'm actually going to give you kind of like a behind the scenes, which I think is just a different era, different generation. I think there's always this kind of like, if we, if we, lose the, the separation between how the art's made and the artists like we're gonna it's gonna not be as cool anymore but I, I think people love that they love you mentioned earlier the process how do you make yep. it how do you yeah. where do you find the materials to do this what where do your ideas come from the q a stuff i love the q a it's like hey just ask me anything like ask me about my family ask me about you know what tea i like you know whatever it is yeah um, i mean the whole the whole documentary business survives on that concept right Right. like who who doesn't watch a behind the scenes or or behind the the artist of their favorite band or their favorite you know what i mean it's like absolutely we all love that and and back to your earlier point the separation between the artist and the process you know for the longest time let's take authors for example for the longest time people just thought oh yeah you know these these authors they sit off in a cabin in the woods wearing a cardigan and they'll be at a typewriter for six months and then they emerge with this really great piece of work and (laughs) that's that's like 0.5 0.5% maybe right, right. Of, yep. of authors successful or not. Uh, and, and so understanding that, you know, it's a completely different world than what you're thinking mm-hmm. and, and yep. getting to, to witness that firsthand. That's, that's amazing. You know, people yep. love that. And so when you can incorporate that into what you're doing, your social media channels, thing, that's who I think those are the people that are doing it best, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's um, hopefully what people are hearing today as we talk, because Matt, you're adding just a lot of good stuff here that I think I think I can feel these scales uh, coming off of people of just the the the, <laughs> the well the fear and the you know because every time we talk about this I get emails and I get you know it's like oh that was so helpful because it's not it doesn't need to be scary like if you know how to just be a normal human talk about what you like talk about what you're passionate about exactly what you just said um, it, it doesn't have to be this, I got to be in everyone's face telling them I got a book coming out. It's like, actually people don't like that. They just, that's right. they actually buy stuff cause they like you. Like that's, that's right. I mean, I've bought stuff. I don't even really love everything they do, but I just like them. Like they're, they're, they're interesting people and they're, they're cool people. You know? Um, I mean, I've got bought music. I don't even like that much, but I saw them in concert. I'm like, I just have a new re- respect for them because they're yep. really good. You know? <laughs> I've and, absolutely done that too. And yeah. then even six months later, I've, I've pulled the CD out and listened to it. I was like, man, I, I still don't really like this music. Yeah. But those guys were super cool and yeah, very humble. Exactly. And I just liked what they were, they were exactly. all about, you know? Yeah. 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 I just went to a Jason Isbell concert not too long ago here in Kansas City. I don't like him at all, but I don't he, know who uh, that is. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's like, a, <laughs> he's kind of like an alternative country, but uh, I always say country, but he's really not. Um, but they had an opening act and I was like, I've never heard of these people and they're, they've been around forever and they're great. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So um, anyway, um, now, one other thing I just want to touch on because I want to be sensitive to your time um, just as we get towards the end of the end of our conversation is um, you do talk about, and this, I think feel like this might connect the dots a little bit is you talk a lot about branding, but also like storytelling mm-hmm. that really that's a lot of maybe building these friendships is like, what's the story we're telling. Um, can you get kind of like specific on that? Like when you kind of use that phrase or like why, you know, storytelling so essential for marketing and promotion and, and what that means. Cause I mean, obviously we're talking to a lot of storytellers that get that, but yeah, how does that work in like, you know, kind of getting your work out there and, and sharing, you know, what you're passionate about. I think when you talk about branding and storytelling in the same sentence or in the same breath, um, there's obvious, it's a very polarizing topic, first of mm-hmm. all, right? So mm-hmm. it, it's going to probably vary wildly depending on whether you're talking to a marketer or a writer or, you know, 
somebody who's a, a, a podcaster, an interviewer. I mean, everybody's sort of take on that is going to be different. But in my opinion, and kind of the way that we we sort of operate here and and work with a lot of creators is that um, your story is your brand, and your brand is your story. And if you think of it that way, uh, you will find creating content much easier, um, and you will find identifying your audiences much easier. Uh, and in fact. If you can incorporate those two or integrate those two in such a way where you're successfully and continually creating content that tells, you know, a story or your story, um, your brand is you, by the way. Sometimes people say brand and you get like all weirded out like, oh, you know, I I do this. I don't have a brand. I mean, I, I just I like to do this, but I'm not a brand. You are a brand. If you're out there and you're creating content for others to consume, you're a brand. You know, um, but you don't have to be scared by that term. So uh, understanding that that you are your brand or your artwork is your brand, uh, your medium of choice, you know, is your brand Um, and whatever you're creating, whatever you're doing, whether you realize it or not, you're telling a story, whether it's subconsciously, you know, or otherwise um, the, the concept of, you know, a brand being able to tell multiple different stories or, or some of these other opinions you'll get on that subject. I don't know that I buy into that personally, but I just know from experience that when people, when they, when they're able to, to understand there's not necessarily a line between the two, I see them sort of that light bulb go off, right? You can see it in their face and they go, Oh, Oh, okay. Or, or when, when you are looking at something they've done and you say, well, you know, this is, this is not really on brand for you. And they did, they go, what do you mean on brand? I'm not a brand. And you explain like, this isn't really part of your story. This is, this, this feels like more of you writing to, to this other audience, or like we talked about before, this feels like you're writing to Google, not your audience, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're not being true to your brand. Your story is not authentic right here in this one particular section. Like you need to, to, to make that feel more authentic. And so I think, uh, Brand and storytelling, they go hand in hand. Uh, if you're not telling a story, by the way, um, to answer the other part of your question, uh, you're not really giving people any incentive to to pay attention. You know, as humans, we we want a story. I mean, there are a whole like businesses and people in general who their whole livelihood is wrapped up in helping people understand that you need to tell a story, right? Donald Miller and a lot of these other people out there, that is their thing, like helping you tell a story because that's what humans want. We want a story. You know, that's why we watch movies. That's why we listen to music. That's why we read books. Like, you know, so when you can, when you can successfully sort of understand that your brand is your story and your story is your brand. And at the epicenter of that is it, it's you. You know, I I think that is sort of the ultimate way to connect those dots and move forward in a way that really helps people see the authentic you and and your content really takes on a different meaning after that. I think they understand um, just how much you put into that content. And it doesn't matter if it's, again, you know, science fiction, vampire, romance, teenage, whatever, or if it's you know, uh, a, a manual you're writing on um, how to build quick and easy campaigns for LinkedIn, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's it's all going to come through if you're being authentic and you're representing yourself appropriately mm-hmm. and accurately, I should say. Oh, that's really good. I, I remember years ago reading, it was, I think it was a Seth Godin book. I forget which, which book it was, but he was talking about wine brands. And he says a lot of 
selling the high-end wines is about the story behind the maker. And he's like, if you put a $10 bottle in front of someone and a hundred dollar bottle they're <laughs> based on the story, they're actually going to think one tastes better than the other, but the reality is they're, they're pretty similar. Um, but that, that story, it's like, Oh, you know, we started this winery in 1882 and a small family. And it's like, Oh, this is really, you know, we let it age for, you know, it's yeah. like, and it's not inauthentic. It's just, it is what it is, but it's, it just, it does something in our brains. Like we go, Oh, I want that. Or I, I need to get into that orbit or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and, and I think, you know, every nonprofit foundation that was ever started, let's say in the cancer world is probably because you've been affected by cancer or you overcame cancer or you had a family member who died of cancer. It's like, it's rarely, is it just like, I don't know. I just thought cancer needed, we need to do something about that. It's always, there's always a story there, you know, somewhere how you got into your work. It's like, dad's making surfboards and creativity was around me. And it's like, Oh, but then I realized maybe I could, you know, learn some business things that are a little more helpful. You know, it's like, there's a story behind that. Right. And that, Mm -hmm. that really helps people kind of engage with you. And and I think it's disarming too. It's disarming because you tell people like, Hey, I've also failed a million times too. Like we're all human here. Like, (laughs) you know, it's like, you've been talking about music a lot and it's like, you know, you know, Metallica starred in a garage, like every other band, you know? Um, and their story is not like, Oh, we just, you know, played a song and next thing we know, we're famous. It's like, no, the, you know, a thousand hours of failure and playing for four people, <laughs> you know, they just don't talk about it as much, you know? Uh, yeah. but it's, yeah, they didn't, didn't come from, from nowhere. Right. Um, but to go back to your previous point, you can now watch documentaries on Metallica or any other band and just see how much they they yes. did have to put into that to get oh, to where sure. they were at. And yeah. again, that's that part where a true fan goes, oh man, 30 bucks for this documentary, but man, I really would love to see their struggles. I'd love yeah. to see, <laughs> right. you know, the five of them packed in a van, you know, yeah. back in 1984, driving from San Francisco to LA and, and all the shenanigans that, yeah, I'm going to hit the buy button on that yeah. one. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the difference. And, you know, uh, I, I know we're, press for time but i heard something uh the other day and, and i wish i could remember who was talking about this because i'd love to give them credit but uh, nonetheless you know this creator economy that we all talk about right now then that that's the the big buzz term but it, it's true it's it's the best way to describe this this sort of surge right in in creator um uh, uh goods and services and things that are now available and um the difference between the creator economy essentially and just everyday e-commerce is that th- there is a story there and you are able to connect with somebody on a more human level. And, and, you know, people would much rather buy something from a creator that they've connected with than just some other brand. And like you said, with the wine, it could be the same product essentially, right? It could be a chair and the chair could be from some furniture company like Ashley or some major brand or a chair from this creator that I just happen to start following that, that, that I can tell, you know, they put a lot of love and care into the things, the pieces that they create or repurpose or whatever that might be, you know, chances are I'm going to buy it from that creator. I'm going to take part in the creator economy versus just the everyday average e-commerce world or even, you know, a local uh, big box store chain. So, you know, there's never been a better time to be a creator, I think, right now with all of the technology that exists and all of these great things that are happening right now. Um, and the fact that people are understanding more and more that, Marketing doesn't have to be scary and it should be human. And, and, you know, Mark Schaefer, who's uh, uh, somebody I really love listening to and talking to, one of the things he says all of the time that I really love is that um, the most human company wins, period. Yep. Amen to that. No, it's true. And I think there's a shift away from even, you know, I mean, dare I say Amazon. I mean, I love Amazon. They help me with my books and all that. But, but the reality <laughs> is like, um, 
there's a, a move away from that. Like we'll pay more money That's right. to, to, to go to the local small business or the local artist or the indie artist or the indie publisher yep. or the indie writer, just because we go, Hey, we, we, we see their, their passion. We, we know them. We, we, you know, love their work and it, and it is, it's, it's just an interesting time to be alive. I think, um, which I think is exciting because I think it gives a lot of indie artists and writers and publishers just a, a shot where they didn't 100%. have a shot before, you know, um, yeah. because they're just, you know, competing with all the mass marketing and, you know, commercial artists and all those things. Um, well, Matt, this has been fantastic and you have helped a lot of people today. Thank you for coming on the show, sharing your wisdom and experiences and your story and um, taking some of the fear out of marketing and promotion. Hopefully that's, <laughs> that's our goal today. Um, but tell me uh, just as we close, you know, how can they get in the Lulu orbit and, uh, and also like, how, where can they find you? What are you working on? Uh, yeah. Promote whatever you got going on. Yeah. Well, first off, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's been fun talking to you. Um, uh, you know, you can just go to lulu.com. Super easy. Four letters, lulu.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, costs us a lot of money in Google, by the way. We have to compete with <laughs> with the leggings. I get this all the time. Like if somebody says, hey, where do you work? I'm like, Lulu. They're like, oh, I love your leggings. I'm like, no, <laughs> right. that's the that's the wrong Lulu one. 11, yeah. <laughs> You're costing me clicks on Google, by the right. way. So thank you. Uh, but you can go to lulu.com. Uh, we have a lot of great resources there. Um, there's a resources tab. It, it, it can be daunting and intimidating to get into it, but I promise anybody listening to this, any of your normal listeners, um, it's not that hard when you get into it and reach out to us. We're always happy to to help uh, uh, get people through the process. We attend a lot of events. If you ever see us at a creator event or an entrepreneurial event, come up and talk to us. I'm often there. Um, we'd love to just sit down and talk to people and help them connect those dots. I mean, nothing is more fun for us. So as far as me personally, you know, I'm here and there. I don't spend a lot of time on social media, but you can find me on LinkedIn. I like creeping around on LinkedIn and uh, Instagram or my two of choice. And um, otherwise you can find me here probably a lot <laughs> doing what I love to do. And and that's about it. You know? All right. Well, Matt, thank you again. And uh, thanks for yeah leading the charge at Lulu. And uh, yeah, I know you're helping a lot of authors too. So appreciate the work you're doing. Thank All you, the Ryan. best. You too. Thanks a lot. Well, there you have it, my friends, my little chitty chat, my little conversation with Matt Briel. Hopefully that served you well. And I hope you picked up the little thread, the little idea, the little inspiration that marketing is really just about making friends. And it really is. If, if we start thinking about the people that we want to impact, we start thinking about the, the art we want to get out into the hands of people or the stories we're sharing or whatever we're making, whatever we're doing, is just think about making friends. And we talked a little bit about a thousand true fans, and I think that's really important. It's just to be thinking about in that that vein of it's not the masses, it's not a million people, but it's just what's one friend I can make today? What's two friends, three friends, ten friends, a hundred friends? And I think that's also going to change the way you do marketing, that you're not going to be sleazy and spammy, but to actually think of them as friends, as, as people that can benefit from your art, that can benefit from your message, can benefit from what you're doing, what you're making. And so hopefully you enjoy this time with Matt Briel. Go check out lulu.com. There's a lot of cool free resources on there. If you need some help with any project you're working on, Lulu is a great resource for that. Go reach out to Matt. Uh, He'd love to help you any way that he can. Uh, Also, just again, check out the resources on the website, ryanjpeld.com. Hopefully that will serve you in your art and creativity journey and whatever you're making, whatever you're doing. Uh, Thanks again for listening to the show. It really uh, is just a, a great um, joy for me to make this show and to help 
you make what you're making. Um, and, and to be able to do that, again, you've heard some op- op- some opportunities um, to support the show. If you want to do uh, the Prolific Creator Plus, it's a great way to support the show. Um, also, if you can leave a rating or review on wherever you listen to your podcast, that really helps us get the word out as well and helps get more listeners and, and get into this community. And so hopefully it'll serve a lot of people. Looking forward to sharing a bunch more conversations and inspiration and tips to help you make what you're making and do what you're doing. And uh, and so thank you for all the people that come on the show. You really make it what it is. So if you have anyone that you want me to talk to, please let me know that as well. And without further ado, as I leave this week, I do have to say one more thing. Go make some great art with your life. And this is Ryan from The Prolific Creator, and I'll talk to you real, real soon. finding tickets for any live event lately it's impossible to keep up and prices are crazy that's why you have to check out gold star gold star makes it easy to discover the best in live entertainment in your city with instant access to awesome events and special ticket deals concerts live theater comedy dance food fests immersive experiences you name it gold star has access to special deals you won't find anywhere else with savings of 50 percent or more go to goldstar.com and use code dcpod to save ten dollars on your first purchase that's goldstar.com code dcpod to save ten dollars